Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 44 of the Go Get Outside podcast. This is your host, Jason Milligan. Welcome back. Welcome aboard. Welcome to a brand new year. One of the ways I like to start each year is by making a list of goals, a list that I know will change throughout the year, maybe get larger, possibly smaller if some things on that list don't seem sensible later on. But I like to make a list of goals, just something to give me a direction for the year and something to work towards. And one of those goals I'm sure that come up for many, many people is overcoming fears and having new experiences. So today, the first of a new year, seemed like a great time to have a show devoted almost entirely to the subject of fear and dealing with fear. On today's show, we have Sarah Tiedemann, author of Traveling with Baggage, A Guide for the Hesitant Hiker. And that is a book that focuses specifically on the many fears and anxieties that Sarah deals with on a regular basis and the approach she takes. So let's start our year off right at Mercer County Park in New Jersey with Sarah Tiedemann discussing her book, self-publishing, and the many, many ways that fear intrudes in our life and we can attempt to deal with it. I'm Sarah D. Tiedemann. I am the self-proclaimed hesitant hiker. So you are the self-proclaimed hesitant hiker. You're going to have to explain that to everybody. (laughs) What makes you a hesitant hiker? Uh, Well, I grew up in the city. My parents didn't really get us outdoors. A very indoor-oriented lifestyle. And I would always read books about, you know, these crazy adventures and places, but I never thought that I could do them myself. When I got a little bit older, I decided that I wanted to try to you know, have a connection with the outdoors. I was really, really nervous about it. I still am. There are so many aspects of, you know, outdoor adventures that scare the crap out of me, but (laughs) I still do it. Very anxiety ridden, but I do it. Where did you grow up? In Trenton, New Jersey. Okay, so not far from where we are right now, which is Mercer County State Park, right? Mercer County Park. Mercer County Park. Yep. Not State Park. (laughs) Take that off the record. Mercer County Park. (laughs) So we are in Mercer County Park, not far from Trenton, New Jersey, where you grew up. You you said you grew up in a family where it's more out indoor type things. Was it one of those things where everyone kind of had an irrational, uneducated fear of the outdoors? Absolutely. Completely irrational. (laughs) My mom was just a nervous wreck about everything. You know, my sister, my brother couldn't, you know, and what I do is pretty tame. You know, I don't do anything super crazy. And, you know, they're still in complete awe and tell me that I'm crazy for, you know, going out into the woods for a few days. You know, it was it's very irrational for sure. An example of that from my own life is Erica, my girlfriend who you met. Uh, one of her sisters recently bought this like big house out in one of those gated community areas in Los Angeles that has like a fair amount of property for LA and it's in a canyon and it's near some wilderness type areas and they get coyotes in the neighborhood. A lot of neighborhoods get coyotes Mm -hmm. in LA and it's not a big deal. They have this little meadow area down from their house and they were having a party one night and so we wanted to get their kids to try some camping because they had failed at camping (laughs) multiple times which meant they tried to camp in someone's backyard and then went inside because of bugs. We knew we could do better than that. 
So we told them, okay, we're going to come to the party and then we're going to camp. I think it was a Halloween party maybe last year. We're going to camp in the yard with the kids. And that night, as we went down, multiple adults at the party were like, oh, you're going to sleep down there? You're crazy. That's crazy. The, the coyotes are going to get you. It's crazy. <laughs> we're like, we're pretty sure it's going to be all right. <laughs> so I know exactly what you're talking about. You can probably talk a lot about this, but I, I kind of think that as a society, we've taken so many steps to protect ourselves from the dangers that do exist that we've completely lost touch with the reality of the dangers and what those dangers are. I have a feeling you have something to say about that. Yeah. And that's definitely, you know, how I grew up, not even just outdoor stuff, just general, you know, living, you know, is, is dangerous. I grew up in a not so good neighborhood. So I think that kind of exasperated, you know, all the, all the fear of just everyday living. And then that extends, of course, to things that they didn't know about, which was being outside. You know, they were always hunkering down in the house because the neighborhood was so bad. I used to go on the front porch. You know, all the kids would, when I say kids, my sister's friends and my sister's about 10 years older than me. You know, they'd be hanging around and I would love to go out there and, you know, people watch and do all these things. And then one of her friends got attacked down the street sitting on her porch. So then I couldn't be outside. Backyard. Okay, fine. Uh, a pit bull moved in next door. The mm. fence wasn't very high, so then my parents didn't want me in the backyard. Things things like that. It was very between four walls type of situation right. for me it's, growing up. It's a situation where survival is more important than life experiences because you can't have any life experiences if you can't yeah, survive. Exactly, exactly. So when did you decide that you wanted to explore outside of that bubble? When I was uh, 17, I moved to Hawaii. I had an ex-boyfriend at the time who, uh, his father lived there. He would visit every summer. He ended up moving there after school, after high school. There's something about New Jersey, and I'm not sure if it is uh, for teenagers everywhere, but there's just something about New Jersey where everybody just wants to get out. Like, everybody just needs to leave, you know? And I was kind of in that mindset at that time, and I had an out, so I took it. And that's kind of when my perspective started changing a little bit, and I wanted to, you know kind of explore outside of what I was used to. And, and you said it was Wahoo that you moved to? Uh, first I was on the Big Island. Okay. I was there for about six months and then Oahu for the rest of the time for a few years. And what was that like? What? How did your perspective shift and how did your life change when you moved from New Jersey to an island? <laughs> you know, everybody talks about New Jersey being like super fast paced and you know, and that is true. So that, it helped me slow down and, and kind of uh, look inward recognize why I was the way that I was and why I didn't want to be that way. I did a lot of growing up during that time. A lot. <laughs> I, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for that, that time, you know, and, and, and physically removing myself from my family and my parents that, and, and their way of thinking definitely helped with that. Cause you know, I was thousands of miles away. So. Well, and the attitude in Hawaii is so different. Yeah, it is. It is. It, it definitely is. Did you find a culture shock? Did you find it hard to you know, kind I, of meld into that? I did and I didn't because uh, my ex-boyfriend, you know, his father lived there. So he, and he was there for a little while before I was there. He had already made friends, you know, his father knew people. So I kind of had an in in that sense. I didn't feel like an outsider, I guess. They made it easy for me to kind of assimilate I guess you know it, it wasn't bad so what was the difference in your life there because you said before it's don't go on the front porch don't go in the backyard 
don't do this, don't do that, this is dangerous, that's dangerous. How was it different once you were in Hawaii? I don't know. I really don't know what happened. It was like a switch flipped. Like, that's the only way I can describe it. I had planned for it, and I was so ready to get out of here and kind of change perspective, and it just kind of happened. It just happened. (laughs) And so what were some of the things you started doing while you were out there? A lot of hiking. A lot of hiking. Climbing up waterfalls, beach stuff. You know, we never... I mean, we went to the Jersey Shore, but not not hiking to secluded beaches and, right. and things of that nature. No, yeah. Nothing against the Jersey Shore. No, but it, it has no. a hard time competing with the shores of Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I was actually never a beach person until I moved to Hawaii. And since I've been back here, I haven't been to the beach. I've been here for, I guess it's eight years now, and I haven't been to the Jersey Shore. But I would go to the beach all the time in Hawaii. Just stuff like that, kind of getting out of my comfort zone, getting out in the woods a lot. If you were taught to be scared of everything, and then suddenly it's, okay, we're here and there's freedom to do all these things and you do them. Was there a lot of fear involved or did you find that you immediately just felt like, oh, it's not as dangerous as I've been told? At that time, I didn't feel like there was as much fear involved because I was a young, dumb kid, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't really remember being scared at specific times. It's weird because, like, when I was young, I was super anxious and scared. And then I had this period in my life in Hawaii where, you know, I kind of did whatever and just kind of, you know, rolled with it. And now as I've gotten older again, I've kind of gotten a little bit more conservative and a little bit more fearful because I guess maybe because I have more to lose now than I did. You know, you don't realize when you're at that age. So I don't I don't remember being fearful, though, no. You go to Hawaii and you start having all these experiences that are different than what you had in New Jersey, but at some point you left Hawaii and did you move straight back to New Jersey? Straight back. I was here on vacation actually and my husband and I dated for a very short period before I left for Hawaii and I was flip-flopping back and forth. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm not going to go, I'm going to go and then at the end of the day I went. Nick and I didn't talk for years. I came back on vacation a few months prior to that. We had started, you know, we had connected again. I was here for, I don't know, two weeks, went back, and was back here a week later. So you came back for a man. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) You know, though, like, at, at that point, I was kind of looking for a reason to leave. I felt like, you know, I was really homesick. Hawaii feels like home in a sense to me. You know, I made a lot of great friends, people that I still keep in touch with, but there's nothing like jersey (laughs) tell me this because this is something that i always wonder about hawaii so it's this great amazing place but it has one huge drawback which is if you want to be anywhere that isn't hawaii you have to get on an airplane do you feel that when you live there on the big island it was a little bit more difficult to forget that you're on an island on oahu i didn't really feel like i was on an island it didn't occur to me a lot of time, you know, you're just going about your business. You know, I was working two jobs, going to school. You know, I didn't think about it. And I didn't really have time to even travel, even do any inter-island travel, really. So it wasn't something that, that I thought about much. So once you move back, at some point you gained this hesitant hiker <laughs> moniker. So how did that come about? When did people start calling you that? <laughs> well, my husband knows better than most. My <laughs> husband led the typical outdoor boyhood you know his his father and mother would take him camping hiking fishing hunting i mean everything we started traveling together and and you know trying to camp and hike together and the hiking thing is fine you know i'm, I'm a little bit wary of overnight still backpacking really he gets to hear all of my irrational fears 
it's just ridiculous the things that I put him through, you know. And it's weird because I, you know, I enjoy doing those things. It's mm-hmm. just that there's like this innate fear about it for me, and it's hard to shake. Do you know what some of those fears are? Like, <laughs> are they are they underlying, or are they things like, oh, we're we're going to need to worry about bears, or we're going to need to worry about this? Right? It is it is literally one thing after another. So so what are some of those things? <laughs> well, you know, bears aren't as big of a deal for me anymore. At least black bear. Grizzly bears, I don't know, I'm still a little, you know. Uh, and mountain lions, when we were in California hiking, I was convinced that, you know, there was one around. Nighttime is really, really bad for me. And I think that that stems from, you know, being a kid growing up in a bad neighborhood, I would always end up on my parents' floor in the middle of the night. I would always wake up. I was always scared. And even now, I still have nightmares sometimes. You know, I'm in the old house and I'm a kid and somebody breaks in. You know, that never happened, but, you know, it was a fear of mine as a kid feeling so exposed you know at at such a vulnerable time you know you're sleeping i think Mm -hmm. that that is really really hard for me because i can't see what's going on you know you're you're in pieces of nylon so (laughs) right so so a lot of it then is that concept of being unaware because you're asleep of your surroundings in the dark with nothing to protect you from whatever could be whether it be human animal supernatural yep. whatever absolutely whatever absolutely if there's something to be scared of i'm probably scared of it <laughs> how, how are you with uh, poison oak and poison ivy are you are you feel for fearful of those as well you know it's actually kind of funny i have never gotten poison ivy and i know i spent so much time in the woods i had to have been exposed but i've never gotten actually gotten poison ivy but, but that are doesn't you afraid of it <laughs> you know that's funny <laughs> i actually like bladder for the pack i'll put a piece of foil over the, the spigot the you know the valve to make sure that you know it doesn't brush on anything and i'll take it off when i'm drinking you know and i've never had a reaction like i've never even had a a skin reaction and i'm still scared that somehow i'm going to have a pulmonary reaction or something absolutely ridiculous but scared but no reason to be (laughs) how have you learned to start coping with these fears a lot of (laughs) self-talk you know i know when I'm starting to go in these thought loops where I'm literally jumping from one thing to the next and I, I kind of know how to talk myself down and if I can't I'll talk to somebody that I'm with about it because a lot of times like you know you're in your head and everything sounds perfectly logical but when you say it out loud and you're like wow that really sounds right, stupid right. you know like mm-hmm. there there's really no reason for me to be afraid. Do you have any examples of a situation you were in maybe recently or before where the anxiety started to get to you and then you had to deal with it specifically on the Kalalau trail in Kauai we got our permits we're ready to go you know this was going to be like the first real big backpacking trip we got a late start but there was a campsite that we could potentially camp out if we couldn't make it you know where we wanted to be that night it was hot humid we had full packs on we had just flown the night before there was like it was all these things just piling up and I started getting really nervous about doing it overnight being that far away and you know you're walking along and there's helicopter landing sites along the trail and I'm just like "Eh," you know what if something happens and I can't get out so I started to get really 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 nervous Nick and I were having a heated discussion about it we were talking and we're walking along and I trip and I sprained my ankle like four miles in so we're walking along I figure all right we'll get to the campsite if it's really bad you know there's always boats I'll just flag one down they'll come pick you know no big deal so we're walking along walking along and then we hit a waterfall and it is a dead end and we're like what is going on here like this is not where we're supposed to be we should be coming up on the campsite right now at this point, I am like 
beside myself, you know, and I start getting really sloppy in my footing, you know, I, it was just a mess. I kept falling. Obviously, there's no trail. It's a dead end. So we have to turn around and go all the way back. It's getting dark. It started raining, you know, and that area is notorious for flash flooding. So I was like, this is horrible like this is right. I, I am like really really freaking out so everything's kind of compounding everything went wrong and then you know just as things start going wrong then you then you feel like you shouldn't be there and something bad's gonna happen you know nick starts getting a little bit freaked out and then he falls and i'm like oh my god you know it, it was it was really hard to deal with i think the only thing that kept me going was that i had a goal i wanted to get out before it got too too dark and i just kept moving and that's what probably helped me out the most but because i really didn't have time to think mm -hmm. you know i just wanted to get out of there so that was probably the the absolute worst <laughs> anxiety ridden time for me for sure so how do you feel after these events do you still feel anxious or does it wash away and then you feel a relief and you want to go again or do you have to overcome a hurdle that then makes you that anxiety keeps you from wanting to do it again i saw a psychologist for a very very short time i wanted to feel better about what i was doing you know because i like to do it it's just you know i have intense fear about it they tell you you know you should keep exposing yourself like and that will help after every time it hasn't really helped it's not even something that i really think about as far as like overcoming another hurdle i just know that i'm going to do it again mm -hmm. you know regardless of the fear that i feel while while i'm doing it because a lot of our best memories come from those times and and when you when i think back on them i don't think really think about the anxiety too much unless it was like a complete shit show like the Kalalau trail um but i don't i don't think about the anxiety that i felt I, I think about how i feel when i was at the summit so you you mentioned earlier that you'll kind of talk yourself through it have you found anything else that helps help you take yourself under control well i guess it depends like if i'm in like full blown panic mode where I'm like actually having a panic attack deep breathing exercises I mean those definitely help you know I'll I'll think back to other times where I did something similar and everything ended up being okay another thing I like to uh, tell myself a lot is that a lot of people do this every single day and they are perfectly fine nothing has ever happened and a lot of people would be wishing that they were in my position right now you know, on a trail and I'm above tree line and I'm freaking out about the heights and I'm like, wait a minute, just take a look around. Like people would love to be here right now and you are here, so you should enjoy it. So what are some of the things that you've started doing now? You've mentioned summits and you mentioned the trail in Hawaii, some overnights and things like that. Are you doing a lot of backpacking type activities or just kind of a mixture of all kinds of things? Just kind of a mixture of many different things. Backpacking is still a little difficult for me, especially the last failed attempt was the Kalalau. So <laughs> I haven't quite mustered up the guts to do that again. But, you know, we went zip lining, you know, snowmobiling in Yellowstone, basically anything and everything really, except for backpacking. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's talk about that. You said zip lining. So do you have any kind of anxiety about heights yeah i don't like heights <laughs> and you know you're you're relying on this equipment and in turn you're relying on the people who are maintaining the equipment or who made the equipment you know so it's i think a lot of it is like a control thing i have no idea what what the quality of workmanship is and i'm about to put all my weight on it and just <laughs> go across you know the canopy yeah that was a little bit sketchy but I will say I am not scared to do it anymore. We went, and then about two weeks later, my husband and I went together, 
And then two weeks later, we went back with a group of friends, and I did it again. Yeah, so. it's interesting what you talk about with the harnesses and the gear and all. So I'm a climber. It's something I had to overcome, and it's something you always have to get other people to overcome, is that first time you take them out, you have to remember the things they're dealing with isn't their ability. They're, they're dealing with the fact that they do not yet trust that gear. And so it's funny, though, there's a switch where once you do, that's no longer the problem. Then it's, then it's everything that is involved that's inherent to the activity. But before, it's the harnesses and the gear. As soon as you trust that stuff, it's funny how quickly you forget. You're just like, oh, that's webbing. That's good. That's a harness. That's good. Yep. And, and you don't have to overcome that anymore. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, familiarity, too. Mm-hmm. You know, once you, once you get used to, you know, what you're looking at, you know, everything seems so foreign at first, and then... It doesn't. <laughs> right. And once you know how to use that gear and what that gear does and, and you can look at things and tell like, okay, this is done correctly. Yeah. Whereas like you were saying, when you went ziplining, you're trusting that what they're doing is right. And now, like I've, I've been ziplining a few times before I started climbing and then afterwards. As a matter of fact, I went earlier this year and it was interesting because now that I'm aware of what all that equipment does and I've been using it for a few years, when we went to do one of these ziplining things, which you pretty much have to do guided, I, I remember thinking like, man, they are way too cautious. It does not need to be this cautious. I don't need this many carabiners. Yeah. I don't need this many backups. The one that I went to actually, and this is probably the only reason why <laughs> there were two, it was double lined. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like the single, you know, line that you're, you know, ziplining on. It was, it was double lined, which helped me <laughs> and they probably had you backed up as well multiple times oh, or at yeah, least absolutely. one backup yeah, yeah so so it's kind of like a lot of things have to fail yeah. before something yeah. terrible could happen so when you hear that does that help you it does it does but you know in the back of my head you know somebody's got to be the exception to the rule right. you know something's got to give somewhere you know and then there's also right experiencing that and being proven that it works versus just hearing that yeah. it works right yeah absolutely definitely so at some point you decided let me take all of these things I'm dealing with because I can't be the only one. <laughs> Let me write a book about this. It's kind of a taboo thing to, to talk about anxiety. You know, a lot of people, it's, it's all internal. I'm pretty open about it. And I think that, I definitely think that there are people out there that are like me. And, and even if they're not as bad as me, there's some aspect of what I talk about that has to benefit someone that's scared of something. It's just about, you know, the fear and the anxiety. And, you know, there's practical advice in there too, but a lot of it is how to deal with yourself, you know, when, when you have these moments of panic. So tell us what the name of the book is and, and what all it focuses on. Okay, the book is uh, Traveling with Baggage, A Guide for the Hesitant Hiker. Like I said, it definitely gives some obvious advice about what to do when you're planning and, and what to bring and what to pack. It's heavily focused on, you know, how to deal with, you know, being scared of bears or, or anything, really. Being scared of, you know, being in a tent at night, being scared of modes of transportation. I mean, how many people are afraid of flying on a plane? You know, it's it's pretty common stuff. So what does the book look like? Is it broken into chapters about different fears? Or is it broken into chapters about how to deal with things individually? Or your story? Or a little bit of all of that? It's a little bit of all of that. First, I start off with a little bit of background about myself. And then I, I talk a little bit about why I do it. Because, you know, when you're reading that, you're like, why would you put yourself through this? You know, so that that's kind of explaining that part of the equation and then I go into specific things you know weather night creepy crawlies you know bears humans 
you know, modes of transportation, uh, being far from help, things like that. And within there, like within each of those subsections, you know, I give the practical advice and then I try to, when I can speak on it, give advice on how to deal with your fear of those things. When did you decide to write the book? Like, what was the thing that made you say, okay, I think a book is what I need to do now. I have a little uh, notebook that I write down writing ideas. You know, I write, I've, I've written articles for Trail Groove Magazine, uh, Boots and All, which is a traveling website. Had a small, little, teeny, tiny blurb and backpacker, you know. So, <laughs> you know, I, and, and I found between those things and what I was writing in my notebook, the common theme was fear. I started just writing an outline and then I'm like, well, you know, this really could be something a little bit bigger than just these small pictures of it that I'm, you know, writing in these articles. So, so then you went ahead and compiled that. And when did you finish the book? <laughs> it was published on May 31st of this year. Yeah, it was years of writing it, then completely changing the format, editing it, putting it down, picking it up again, hating it you know, vowing that I was never going to touch it again, <laughs> you know, and a lot of back and forth it probably took about three or four years. But it was funny. It was kind of anticlimactic when it was all over. I'm like, oh, well, it's done because <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm so sick of it. I never want to read this again, you know. So you mentioned editing and things of that nature. Were you the person solely responsible for all of those tasks or did you bring in outside help to help no, you? No, you know, my husband, <laughs> he, he probably is sick of reading it too. He, <laughs> he helped me quite a bit. I had two of my cousins who were kind of academics, you know, I, I sent them copies and they gave me some feedback. And then I did a lot of editing myself. Definitely couldn't have done it without their eyes because, you know, it, it's funny as you're reading it, I, I found myself reading it without the edits that I had already made because I was so used to reading, you mm -hmm. know, the one thing that I, I couldn't see even what was right in front of me. So it, it really helped to have them you know, take a look at it and catch what I was missing and, and fill in gaps and stuff like right, that. Right, because you're so busy thinking about all these things it has been, it could be, it's hard to really focus on it and that outside yeah, perspective definitely. could help a lot. And then, you know, it, it, it's funny because, you know, I'm like, is this even interesting? <laughs> like, are people even going to, it's kind of a how-to, but it's also kind of, it's interspersed with, you know, stories of what we've done. And I was like, is anybody outside of my family <laughs> enjoy this? You know, mm -hmm. and that, that was a little bit difficult to overcome, you know, to kind of put that out there. Fear is kind of an odd thing because in a lot of ways we're ashamed of it. Mm -hmm. I think when people are fearful, they feel like if they mention that they are, perhaps others are going to have less respect for them. Or maybe if they admit out loud, they've told themselves that it they're not as real. tough as they are yeah. or their yeah their fear is real i think books that deal with fear specifically like for instance in climbing there is a book that is specifically about dealing with the mental aspect of climbing multiple hundreds of pages nothing to do with the techniques of climbing whatsoever outside of how to cope with the fearful parts and yeah. managing and coping with that so i do think it's very valuable to be able to look at everyone's fears and kind of have an open dialogue about it and then kind of discuss it in a way to where we don't necessarily need to be ashamed of ourselves or lose self-respect because we think we're supposed to be tougher than we are. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people think that admitting to it, well, they'll be perceived as weak and that's just not, takes a bigger person to admit that they're, you know, fearful than it does to just keep it inside. You're fearful anyway. Is that something that you had to deal with or were you one of those people who just was like, no, I'm scared of this. I don't mind, I don't mind saying it out loud right now. <laughs> well, you know, there's certain times where I don't want to be that person like, oh, well, I'm scared of this, you know, and then I still have those times. For the most part, I mean, everybody that knows me knows 
how I am and this is just it. <laughs> Have you run into a situation with others where they are exhibiting those fears and you're like wait wait I know what this is like I know how to help you know it's funny I really haven't <laughs> and maybe maybe that's by design you know maybe I don't want to be around people that are fearful <laughs> like I am because it helps me like oh well they're having fun and they're fine and they're not but no one's ever that I can recall been vocal about any of that on any trip that I've been on. So tell me about the process of publishing this book. What was that like? I did a lot of research. I, In fact, after I wrote the outline, the first thing I did before I even started writing was looking into publishing. You know, I sent it to a couple of small, you know, outdoor t- publishers. But then I was like, you know what, screw this. Like, I don't need somebody to tell me that this is print worthy. You know, I was like, I don't I don't want to do that. I just want to do it. I'm, I'm not looking to turn a profit. You know, I just want to get the information out there. And like you said, you know, open up a dialogue about fear and, and how you can still do things and be scared and still have fun. So I ended up going the self-publishing route, created my own imprint. So I technically have my own publishing company. You know, I have an EIN and, you know, I'm registered with the state of New Jersey, <laughs> which sounds like a racket, but it gives you more uh, freedom as far as where you can sell the book. You're taken more seriously when you, you know, bring it places. But it was actually pretty easy other than, you know, figuring out the ins and outs of, you know, the tax situation and and all that it was it was pretty simple I had a little bit of trouble with the editor you know editing on the computer but aside from that it was pretty much seamless which method did you end up using for getting it printed create space so you did use the create space so it's through yeah. amazon correct yep. that handles that yep. and so that means it's print on demand correct yes. so that when does you don't have to pay an upfront cost to print a bunch of books it prints when people order it yep exactly is that the sole way people are able to get it is through amazon um there are some small bookstores in New Jersey and Pennsylvania that uh, have a few copies. There's a store in New York City that has a few copies and one in Hawaii that has a few copies. <laughs> so I'm kind of spread out. That's certainly the easiest way to get it is is through Amazon. And so now that you've finished this book and you said that you have written articles and, and things for various publications, what's the plan from here? Do you want to write a book that's maybe not about fear? Do you want to write a series about fear? Or... What does what your writing future look like, you hope? It's funny. I joke that, you know, everybody's asking me, you know, when are you going to do the next thing? And I'm like, I never want to write again. <laughs> you know? I'm sure I'll feel differently as a little bit more time goes on, you know, but that was a lot of work. It definitely took its toll mentally, you know, going through that over and over and over again. But I really don't know. I haven't really given it much thought. I'm just kind of... You know, I still have my little notebook, so when things come to me, you know, I'll write an idea down, and if the mood strikes me, maybe I'll (laughs) write something again. But for now, I'm taking a little bit of a break. (laughs) So one of the things we talked about a little earlier that I want to go back to is you mentioned how you discussed this in the book, and, and I think this is a question that a lot of people will ask. Okay, if these things give you anxiety, why do them? So there's got to be a greater reward or some sort of beneficial outcome to going through and dealing with this anxiety when you do these things. So what is it that keeps driving you to go ahead and deal with this anxiety? I don't just have anxiety about the outdoors. I'm, I'm pretty anxious, you know, in my day-to-day life. And when I find those moments of clarity when I'm outdoors where the anxiety kind of melts away, even if it's not, you know, for the whole time, it allows me to be more in the moment. And I have a really hard time 
being in the moment on normal <laughs> everyday you know activities it's really really difficult for me and I don't have to try there's one task just keep walking in a weird way that you know helps the anxiety if I see a bear <laughs> I might freak out you know <laughs> but when I get into that you know frame of mind it makes everything worth it you know and it makes me feel it's gonna sound so cliche but it makes me feel more alive to be out and and have a connection with nature kind of look inward and I guess it's I guess it's basically you know being in the moment I think that's good because I I do one of the things even with this show that I like to kind of focus on maybe sometimes too much is that idea of exactly what you're talking about where there may be something that feels kind of insurmountable or you know doing this is going to be hard or uncomfortable or maybe even breed anxiety but there's a bigger reward than just being comfortable, yeah. having fun, or just being happy in this moment where you feel safe. You talked about when you went to Hawaii pushing boundaries. I do think we gain more when we push those and then find out what we're built of and how we fit into the world around us. You've written this book about this topic, about dealing with this anxiety, about, about going outdoors, why you do it, what to do. So there are going to be people now who are going to look to you who feel similarly. So is there anything you would want to tell those people if there's someone out there who's like, yeah, I'm fucking scared of everything. <laughs> I don't even know how to get started because I don't want to do these scary things. Do you have advice for those people? Well, you know, you, you talked about being uncomfortable. Well, life in general is pretty uncomfortable. It can be done if you just... It's going to sound silly, but a lot of the time, you know, when I'm, I'm having these moments, I'll tell myself, you know, I'll pretend that I'm somebody else. I do this all the time. You know, everything is great, you know, and I think that that helps get into the mindset that you're good. You can do this. Sometimes you just have to stop asking yourself questions and just go for it. And I think that that's the biggest piece of advice. You know, there's always going to be something to fear. Always. Even walking down the street, driving in your car. There's always going, going to be something, but you still drive and you still walk down the street. So why is this any different? And you can take steps to make yourself a little bit more comfortable and feel a little bit safer. When you pretend that you're other people, do you ever pretend that you're Davy Crockett? <laughs> Honestly, sometimes I picture myself in a Western, you know, <laughs> I, I really do. Um, I don't really have to do that too, too much anymore. You know, I'm kind of used to, you know, being comfortable, a little bit more comfortable. But I think that's the first step. Just pretend and fake it till you make it, you know. It kind of helps when you're with other people too, because then you're just like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm good. I'm good. They're good. I'm good. Everything is fine. <laughs> so anything else that you'd want to tell people that maybe we haven't said yet, you know, besides go buy your book? <laughs> You don't have to. In fact, if you want to email me, I've sent out so many free copies. It, I just want I just want people to, to have the information and, and hope that it's useful to someone. Like I said before, there's always going to be something to fear. Yeah, it's, so you can either let your fear control you or you can try to control your fear. Yeah, right? yeah, that's a good way to put it yeah. for sure. It doesn't mean, and, and notice I said try, it doesn't mean that you have to succeed. Yeah. But better to try and be progressively more successful <laughs> than to just constantly be controlled by something that you don't want to control you. And yeah. I'm sure you would say, and I'll give you the opportunity to say yes or no to this. Okay, well, I'll just ask you straight out and then you can say yes or no. Okay. Do you regret 
confronting your fears? <laughs> it's actually funny. Uh, no. <laughs> you know, it's I have never once been like, I wish I never did that. It has never happened. Even, you know, when shit goes horribly wrong, I still don't regret it at all. You know, it's just a good story. <laughs> and so with that, let's tell people how to find that story. So how do people get that book? Uh, Amazon.com. You can just search for my name, Sarah D. Tiedemann. My website is uh, sarahdtiedemann.com. Like I said, shoot me an email, buy it on Amazon, whatever you prefer. (laughs) (laughs) Just please buy it. (laughs) I just want to say the best way to sell a book is not tell people, buy it or send me an email and ask for it for free. Okay, just buy it. People listening to this, if you send her an email and ask her for the free book, it goddamn better be because you can't afford to buy the book (laughs) and not just because you're a cheap bastard. So if you're listening and you want and you're interested in the book, buy the book. You can ask for a free chapter. That I will allow. You can email her and say, hey, I want to check this out. Send me a chapter for free. You do that, right? Yeah, I can do do that. that. Yeah. (laughs) And then you go buy the book. You don't just ask for the book for free unless you're destitute. Because you're so fearful you can't function. <laughs> can't leave the house, can't work. <laughs> Anywhere else that you want people to check you out. So Sarah, SarahDTiedemann.com. Yep. And then search for it on Amazon and give us that title once more. Traveling with Baggage, a guide for the hesitant hiker. And the hesitant hiker is you. <laughs> but now maybe many other people. Yeah. Fewer hesitant hikers thanks to traveling with baggage that's where that's Let's hope that, that's the aim right <laughs> yep so the sun has not set yet and your husband is away playing disc golf yes that was i was gonna say frisbee golf and i was like is it discus <laughs> golf or it's not discus so discs golf he's off playing disc golf so now you can go join him before the sun sets Unless you want to pretend this is still going because you don't want to play disc golf. I'm horrible, but it's fun. I think they have a few beers in their bags, so I might go have a, have a drink with them. All right. Well, thanks for meeting me here in the county park, not the state park, so that we can talk about the many ways that fear can disable us, but that we can try to fight back. Yep. yep. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. No So I want all of you to pause this and head over to Amazon or Sarah's website and purchase that book. And seriously, only email her about a free copy if you are truly destitute. I have read Sarah's book and I think that most anyone who probably listens to this show can identify on some level. I'm sure that all of you have dealt with fear and anxiety in the outdoors in some capacity, and you will probably find her straightforward, no-nonsense writing style to be charming and rather humorous. So I think that means it's a great time to run over to the website, gogetoutside.com slash podcast. Look for episode 44 with Sarah Tiedemann. There you will find the usual photographs and many links. Those links will include sarahdtiedemann.com, where you can find the multiple ways to acquire her book, as well as where I imagine you will be able to get information about a lecture she is giving in April for the Ocean County Parks Department all about dealing with fear in the outdoors. And you'll also find a link to where you can purchase her book on Amazon. 
and then a number of other links pertinent to this episode that may be of interest. Links to the Kalalal Trail, the one she mentioned earlier in the show, as well as the outfitters that took them ziplining in West Virginia and snowmobiling in Yellowstone. And I mentioned a book about dealing with fear when climbing. That is The Rock Warrior's Way, and you can find a link to that book there as well. So while you're purchasing books, reading links, and doing many other things on the internet, now would be a great time to get in touch with the show. Go at ButcherBirdStudios.com. Let us know what you think. Let us know how you deal with fear in the outdoors or in your everyday life. Or maybe you want to give us a call. Maybe you don't feel like typing. Maybe you have delicate fingers. Well, you can give us a call at 818-925-0106. You can leave us a voicemail there of three minutes or less. And if you'd like to do me a big favor in celebration of the new year, head on over to your platform of choice, be it iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get this podcast. Write a review, subscribe to the show, rate the show, and share the show, or any combination of those things. It will be greatly appreciated and help ensure that this show continues for the foreseeable future. So I will leave you all now to go purchase your books, set your goals for the new year, and prepare for next time on the show. Paul Heitnen, Dylan Gonda, two people separated by 40 years in age who both completed the 2,700-mile Tour Divide Trail from Banff, Canada, down to New Mexico. Come back on January 16th and find out what drives a 60-year-old man and a 20-year-old man to seek out this sort of experience. See you then. <laughs>